Hello and welcome to the Japan Archives, a podcast where we'll be delving into the histories and mythologies from Japan's long history. I'm your host, Thomas. And I'm your co-host, Heather. We'll also be reading a poem for you every week and giving a little history about the poet who wrote it. Ikimashou! Hello guys, welcome back to the Japan Archives. What we on now? Episode 30. Ooh. Oh, we've got quite a lot under our belt now, which I'm kind of happy about. Like it's 30, it's morning, it's youth. <laughs> That's so mean to say about our own show, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> cut that, cut that, cut that. Now we are obviously going to be getting this episode out Friday the 7th of February. So what I wanted to do for this week is talk about one of the festivals of Japan, uh, the festival known as Setsubun, and that was this week. It was on Monday the 3rd. Yeah, I want to talk about that history of it, how it works, stuff like that. So obviously we've been in Japan now for three years, quite a long time. So yeah, we've been here for three years, so it kind of seems redundant to ask you, Heather, if you've heard of the festival before. But I'm going to do so anyway, as we do every week. Well, Thomas, for, for the intents and purposes of this podcast, why, no, I've not heard of this before. Please enlighten me. <laughs> Does that help? That helps a little. So let's assume you're, let's assume ignorance here and I'll jump straight in. So actually the notes I have, I actually wrote this two years ago as a blog post for my very first old version of the website, which eventually became the database we're now working on. Uh, back then, I was kind of just, when we were with our old ALT jobs, there was obviously, well, for me at least, there was a lot of free time at school while I was sat waiting for lessons. So I thought I'd start doing like a Japanese blog. Um, one week I'd actually write some history about Japan, and then the next week I'd actually do a post about a poem and a poet. So you can see where I got the ideas from for this podcast two years later. <laughs> see the history. So yeah, the blog sadly died a death as work got quicker and then I moved down to Chiba. But yeah, it was reincarnated as this podcast. I would say metamorphosis, but metamorphosis? Metamorphosized? Metamorphosized. Yeah, yeah. so... It evolved. Yeah, so the blogs became the podcast and the site changed into the database that we're now building up on for people to look at if they're interested in Japanese history. But anyway, so the Festival of Setsubun. So what is it about, really? So to start with, there is a saying in Japan which says that on the eve of the beginning of the spring season, to place the heads of sardine and holly, is to ward off the devil known as Kaguhana, a devil who is said to eat man. Now, I don't know about you, Heather, but I would much rather stick the head of a dead fish and some holly leaves on my front door than risk being eaten by a devil, or oni, as they're known in Japan. And this is where the festival of Setsubun comes into play. So it is a festival centered around the protection and the prevention of oni. So once again, we're on the topic of oni, But I'm going to say this to listeners now, don't worry, we've actually planned pretty soon, actually, an episode on the Oni, so we can bring together everything we've already said, as well as 
get into the nitty-gritty of actually what they are, who they are, why they do what they do and stuff like that. So yes, finally we're gonna have an Oni episode. It won't be our one and Oni. <laughs> oh, that was such a bad joke. What? I'm going to keep that in the episode. Um, so the festival of Setsubon, it can fall under the umbrella of what is known as the Haru Matsuri. So like the spring festivals in Japan. Now we can translate the name of Setsubon as something like Seasons Division, which I think is kind of an apt name considering it's kind of slowly working its way towards the end of winter and spring is just around the corner. No, it's like, yeah, I've noticed that even in stores and things that uh, are even like the bumps for TV shows, there are spring imagery that are coming into everything now. So like, you know, Sakura, cherry blossoms, that's starting to emerge. Expanding very quickly on the idea of there being like regional differences, I actually found reference of um, one small village actually in Chiba Prefecture where they don't call the festival um, Setsubun, they actually call it a uh, Toshi Koshi, which we can translate as meaning something like bidding the year out. Ah. Um, so again, around the idea of like seasons changing years changing kind of thing but of course that might get you wondering like but the festival is actually in february and not at the end of the year and of course you would be correct however like we've said you have to take it in the context of that this festival is set up to be a portrayal of the onset of spring so it, it is a new year um but it is a new year of like new life beginning. Historically, I think a lot of things revolved around like rice planting season. So I'm wondering if like, because it is in the early February, like rice planting season, people have already gone through the fields, cleared out the old or clearing out, starting to clear out the old rice that may have not like, cause when you, you harvest rice, sometimes the rice grains will like replant and they'll start growing plants. So now people are going to be start to clear out all that old growth and prepare the rice fields for planting. So I'm wondering if where it's mean the, by the bringer of spring is that start like, hey, rice planting season is on. It's, it's get ready to start. Oh, I like that idea. Um, I didn't actually know about that. So I've seen people start burning, start burning to clear out all that old growth and it won't be too much longer. I've seen a lot of the farmers near around my school when I drive to work, they've got their little their strange, tiny Japanese tractors out on the fields, getting the, getting everything ready for the rice. Mm. So what I um, quickly wanted to mention to you next was actually the, where we can find the origins of the festival. So obviously you're pretending to not know about this festival, Heather, but do you already know of its origins or is it more you just know the aspects of the festival? Now the origins, I can claim ignorance on. I'm not sure about those. Okay. I think you could probably guess that it can find its origins in China. Japan has over the many centuries taken a lot of characteristics and aspects from the Chinese culture, you know, the, the kanji, the, a lot of their poetry. So they have taken a lot over the years from China, so it makes sense that a few festivals as well would find their way here. So the festival made its way from China to Japan and was initially characterized by the adoption of throwing roasted soybeans so that they could drive out evil spirits. 
And obviously that eventually changed to the concept of driving out the Oni instead. And we can actually find first mentioning of this festival around 935 AD. And we actually find it in someone's diary, a man by the name of Kino Surayuki. Now I previously did some research on him and he was actually a poet. So we can talk about him later in regards to poetry if we want. Ooh, yes, please. A little bit about him quickly. He was interesting in that he helped compile one of the imperial waka anthologies of the time called the Kokinshu. And he is also the man who, um, in the preface of the Kokinshu, he wrote a little bit about who he thought were the six best poets of the Heian period at the time. We now know them as the Rokkasen, or the six poetic geniuses. And our poet from episode two, so Ono no Komachi, was actually given the title of one of the six poetic geniuses. And she was actually the only woman to make the list. The other five were men. So yeah, he also wrote this diary called the Tosa Niki or the Tosa Diary. And the interesting thing about the diary, so it was written, like I said, in 935 AD. Again, he filled it with poetry throughout and he was actually interesting in that he wrote the whole thing in Kana script and throughout he refers to himself in the third person, such as the traveler or the passenger or the, the person. At the time, the reason he wrote it in Kana was because he wanted to try something different and he actually starts his diary by saying, it is generally a man who tries to write what is called a diary but now a woman will see what she can do. So he actually wrote it specifically in Kana in an attempt to write it as a woman, as Kana was the female script at the time and not used by men. Amazing. Oh, he is. Yeah, he is. That is interesting. That is fascinating. I, I did know about the, 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 the Kana, like usually like women would use the, the hiragana and men can use um, katakana. And I actually encountered this pretty recently because there was a, looking at old like comics, like really old comics from like newspapers from around the turn of the century. And the men's writing was all in katakana. And I was really surprised by that. I was like, why is it in katakana? He's like, oh, that's because it's the guy's voice. And if you see women's voice, you would see it in hiragana. So, wow. I actually didn't know about the katakana thing until you uh, well, you told me, I think, last week when we were talking about it. But it's actually nice that we've managed to now fit it into this episode to tell everyone else about it. But yeah, I find that really interesting because I, obviously, when you come to Japan and you look at the language, I always assumed, or at least was taught from the books I read, that katakana was more used for foreign words. Like, it was a syllabary designed to use words that they had adopted from the modern outside world when they opened their borders. So to find out that it was actually more of a also masculine type of language as well, initially, that's quite interesting. Yeah, I'd have to probably check more of my sources more. Well, my source so far is the professor. But for this particular instance, it was an old comic from a newspaper where the character was speaking all in katakana, the male character was speaking all in katakana. So, and you know, as time has gone, on everyone uses all three syllabaries the kan kanji katakana and uh, hiragana so i think maybe historically more it was for that but now nowadays it's not quite so yeah that's something we'll have to research and look into and that gets into more complicated topics <laughs> i think yeah exactly 
going to um, read the specific passage now in the diary where he talks about like the first instance we have of the Setsuban festival. What he says is, I wonder how it is in Kyoto. Are the customary decorations of straw rope, mullet head, holly and the like displayed? And this is the sentence that shows to us that the festival of Setsuban had been adopted in Japan. Now, obviously, in modern day Japan, they use sardines heads now. Um, so the sentence itself is interesting in that it shows that although the festival itself hasn't really changed too much over time, there has been certain aspects. So initially they did use mullet instead, but now they've changed and they use sardine in the festival. Um, so with the origins out of the way, let's learn how to banish the oni during the festival. So like we said, the primary function of the festival is to do this act is to protect you from these devils and these demons because basically you don't know Heather if there's one living near your house or not so it's best to take precautions. So what you need to do is first of all you need to make sure that you have a really large bucket of soybeans on hand so if the Oni do show up you can start throwing them at it but also just merely throwing the beans will not be enough so you need to say the following incantation as you do so. So the incantation in Japanese would be Oni wa soto, fuku wa uchi, which would basically mean in English, demons out and fortune in. I'm actually gonna say that I'm a terrible human being and, and sadly I've always been working when the festival of Setsubo has actually been on, so I've never had the chance to actually do this or go to a temple during the festival. I'm just wondering if you have or not, so you can explain what the, it's like if you have been. I went to two last year, actually. In one day, was it one day or was it like two different days? So I went to a, a small shrine in, I think it was near Futsu. And this one was in the afternoon and there were several people. They stood up at the front, we all gathered around and the people who threw the okashi, I think were, they weren't the priests they were like a, a different members of maybe the, the the shrine committee i'm not sure what that's called in japanese so essentially they will throw snacks or okashi mochi and little packs of soybeans as well and you are supposed to grab as much as you can because whatever you grab helps to bring you luck for the next year okay now the really fun thing about this is, Thomas, you know, in in Japanese society, like waiting for a bus, waiting for a train, waiting in line for food. How, how do people generally act when they're waiting for something in Japan? I mean, all the queues I've ever seen, which are super long, they kind of just do nothing. They're just like statues. It's really bizarre. Like polite, quiet. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 nice. People are they don't yell and shout like, "You broke in line! Get out of my way!" You don't you don't have that at Setsubun. That's gone. That's off. <laughs> People will grab and reach. I got like someone poked me with their nails last year. I didn't get cut, but I got a nice little scrape on my hand. And not just that, but if stuff falls on the ground, people would scramble to pick it up because, hey, the more you collect, the better luck you have. I was so shocked. 
<laughs> the amount of like grabbing and reaching that went on. This is at both temples, and I think it's it's everywhere. So I was surprised. I did not realize. I thought people just wait, politely politely catch. No, they did not. They were going to get that luck. I did not get so lucky. I got a very few things. <laughs> at one place, I actually got something and gave it to a little kid because I was like, oh, they can't reach. So here, I found out afterwards. I gave away some of my luck. So I think maybe that was that was good. It was nice of you to give it away, but I'm super surprised of what you're saying about the like all decorum seems to go out the window when it comes to this festival. Like I've been to other festivals, I've been fortunate to go to, and yeah, it's like any normal day in Japan. Like everyone's super polite and things like that. But yeah, to hear the Setsubun one, it's like all goes to hell. That's quite interesting, but also really strange. Like I can't imagine it because it's. I've just not ever seen it in Japan. No, I'm sure I'm probably and maybe exaggerating a little bit just because I'm so used to certain things going in a certain way and then to have that. But I mean, you've, you've seen, you've seen kids play like karuta, right? It's yeah. Com it's competitive. Like they definitely, when they do undokai and they do like sports or competitions, they try their hardest. So I think. Maybe they are just trying their hardest to get all that good luck. I'm what's nice. What's the word put? I, I'm I've gotten so used to kind of waiting in line quietly and politely, and I'm not the kind of person to reach out and grab things very well anyway. I'm a little bit slow at it. Um, so maybe it was a little bit of shock because I wasn't expecting it. So I don't think it was like all hell broke loose, but it sure it felt like it. Just the contrast and what I've been to before and when what I've seen now. And I, I, I sadly didn't get to go this year. I would have liked to have seen if it was the same here. Mm. So I, I wonder if like in Eastern Japan versus Western Japan and even like, you know, in Hokkaido versus like Fukuoka, like how people do setsubu in the different areas. It would be an interesting comparison. So maybe hopefully next year you'll get the chance and you can report back. Yeah, I hope so. Because I enjoyed it last year. It was it was very fun. Um, and so I get to just like watch people like try to get the, the okashi. And that one itself was entertaining. Although one poor kid did get hit in the head with, with soybeans. The poor child. I like I couldn't help him because I'm like I I, I I he was crying and it's like I, I'm sorry I really can't help you I felt so bad it's so soybeans right in the face like a little pack of soybeans but is that lucky I mean he then got the soybeans right you know so there is that I suppose I I think he caught them I mean not with his hands but he caught them so I'm gonna say he caught he them hurt. with his face so I'm gonna count that as lucky poor baby poor kid. <laughs> oh. um so you've You've got your soybeans. You've mm. thrown your soybeans at the Oni, and you've you've said your well, I guess you could call it a magic spell to some degree. You've said your magic spell. So what comes next? So we still have the saw, the holly, and the sardine heads to deal with. What you need to do, you need to take your holly leaves, and you need to take your sardine head, and basically hang it from the entrance of your home. The only thing is, I wonder about the cat that would come. Hopefully the cat wouldn't be able to reach it because it's at the top of your door. They're very enterprising, those cats. That is true. If they want it, they'll take it. If you're wondering why you need to hang these things over your door, then here is the reason. So, at least in regard to the sardines, apparently the only have a big fear of their 
eyes. It said that basically if they appear at your door and the sun is shining on the eyes of the fish because of the way they sparkle and will shine, um, it basically causes the Oni to be filled with fear and they will basically run away from it. Of course, again, with this being a country-wide festival, I did find some regional differences that you might come across. It said that some villages instead will hang large buckets from their rooftops instead and cover them in a kind of mesh to mimic the eyes of the sardines. All of the journals that I read that mentioned these, they've, they've said that they are a good alternative to sardines if you don't happen to have any, and that they will serve just as well and just as effectively at causing the Oni to run away. So yeah, if you don't want a fish hanging from your front door, just buy yourself a bucket and some mesh and it will be just as good. I like that better. Yeah, I think I like it better too. Uh, less disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that leaves us with the holly. So if we want to find the answer to why we need to hang the holly outside our door, we can turn our attention to a particular type of play. Now this play is called a Kyogen play, which is a type of comical Japanese theater. In the text of one of them, um, the scene is set where we find an oni wandering around and it's said that he has come from a place called the place of eternal youth. Hmm. I am exceedingly tired, the oni says, and I am very hungry. Now looking around, the Oni notices a structure in the distance. And so he excited, he exclaims, Oh look, there's a house! Let me take a look. So the Oni wanders over, and it's said in the play that the he immediately regrets his decision. Ouch! he cries. How painful! he screams. I forgot all about this night being the night of Setsubun, when people put Holly at the door to scare us away, and screaming that his eyes were now in extreme pain, he fled. I think I'd probably put some holly bushes in front of my house in that case. So there you go. There's the story of the holly and basically that it serves as a way to make them run away because they will apparently just walk into it. So I don't know whether they're just, they have very bad eyesight or very bad at noticing things, but apparently yeah, hanging the holly from your house will protect you even more because the Oni is likely to walk straight into it and run away in pain. Hmm. Well, there you have it. Anyway, that is the story of Setsubun, the little, the origins and how the festival works. I'm glad that there were some bits you didn't know about. I was kind of worried about this one because obviously, like I said, we've been here so long, there was a the potential for you to already know everything and this would have not been that interesting for you. I'm glad there were some bits you didn't know, and I hope you found it interesting, at least today. It's really interesting. I mean, we've been here for about three years, but there's still so much we don't know. And we know a little bit about a few different things, but there's still, especially in detail, we don't know everything. So it's, it's really fun to learn new things, and I really enjoy it. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. I'm glad you liked it. So obviously that is now my section done for today. So what do you have for me? Interesting enough, before I go into my poem, which I have a poem today, uh, do you, did you see the advertisements for the um, roll sushi at like the maybe konbini, the grocery store around the time of Setsubun? I think it was like the day of Setsubun. Did you see that? I did not. But like on the weekends when you go to the konbini and stuff, did you see the signs for the, the roll sushi? I didn't. I'm sorry. I've let you down. I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I think it's a relatively new tradition to eat like the the rolled sushi 
I think it's the time of Setsubun. And you're supposed to face, I think it's the, the northwest direction. And you're supposed to hold it with both hands and then eat the whole thing quietly without saying anything. And why would you be facing the northwest, Heather? I want I was I was actually hoping a little bit that maybe somehow you were gonna touch about that and Setsubun. Oh. <laughs> No, that's interesting. I didn't know, but it also makes sense with everything we've already said before mm. about bad luck and stuff. So well, I was going to say, we did not do the roll sushi, but I did have um, fajitas with like taco, uh, soft tacos. So we did um, a hybrid version of the roll, a rolled food, but we did not stand in the northwest corner and we did not eat it without talking. But we did do on Setsubun, we had a rolled type food for good luck okay now oh, i wish i'd known about that as well um that is super interesting so yeah if anyone knows about that let us know and we'll do some research too especially now thomas knows about it we might do some research and maybe we'll touch back up maybe a bonus episode that might be interesting but please let us know so now on to my poem i have a poem for you from you'll never guess where it's from is this is this a specific book or are we on about a person because if it's a person, it's going to be a bad show. If it's a book, we might be heading back to the Hyakunin issue. Why, yes, you are correct, sir. I do have a poem from the Hyakunin issue, and it's from Emperor Koko. Emperor Koko. Yes, Emperor, or actually, I mean, Koko. I think it's like Koko, not Koko, like in as the, I think it's the gorilla, but Koko. Forgive my my bad pronunciation. Not Koko like the Disney movie. No, not Koso, Koko. It's okay. got the long marks over his O's. So Emperor Koko was the 58th emperor of Japan, and he was born in 830 and died in 887 and he became emperor um because he was only emperor for about yeah four years he, so that was yeah because he died at age 58 but he became emperor at age 54 so a very short reign and this emperor he brought back some of the traditions that were like ancient court which is interesting because ancient court rituals because it's like 884 i guess he would have become emperor yeah so he brought back some a traditional hunt with falcons he brought that back and he brought back some other court rituals and he also wrote poetry and he has his own collection the nina gyoshu no i don't think so um so if you once you can do your poem. Are right, you ready, Thomas, for the poem? Uh, I have my pen and paper ready, so I will endeavor to try and figure out what today's poem is about. All right. Kimi ga tame, haru no no ni idete, wakana tsumu, waka koromo de ni, yuki wa furutsutsu. So I think I heard from the second line haru, so spring. Yes. And Kimi uh, Gatame, I have heard used in other poems before, but I can't quite remember what it translates to, but I do recognize it. For most of the other bits, I'm not too sure, but potentially the last line was something like snow is falling. So Yuki wa, like furitsutsu, like furu to fall. Yeah, 
Yes, you're right. That's wonderful. So, so the translation is for you. I came to the fields to pick the first spring greens, and during that, on my sleeves, there was a light snow falling. I was wondering what the significance of the sleeves are because I do know that. From what I've been reading around, there are a lot of poems that use、um, like sleeves on clothing as a big part of their imagery. So I'm just wondering if what the actual significance of it is. So I think the sleeves aren't what's important in this poem. You notice what he's he's doing. He's coming out for spring greens, but it's still snowing. So even though maybe the first signs of spring are starting. It's still winter. It's still cold. So the sleeves themselves aren't significant. What's on the sleeves is perhaps the more significant thing. So I think this poem perhaps is more of a nature imagery based on some of the information I do have, which is why was he going out for spring greens? Is that a thing that emperors do? I mean, most emperors I know would not go out and harvest their own greens. Well, that's because there was an annual. Picking of the young greens that took place every year, and it was a celebration for the Ninohi, which is a day of the rat. And it fell. It was the this date was、um, around like maybe mid February. So a, you know, actually around this time. So it was a ceremonial picking of the greens. So you know February usually well we had that little warm that little warm patch of. See back to weather. We had the warm, but we had this week. It's gotten colder here, and even funny, funnily enough, the reason I picked this poem is because I saw snow flurries recently here. So、mm. I, we've started to see the signs of spring. Some of the cherry, like the plums, have started blooming.、Um, there was a beautiful yellow tree that I saw. My friend told me what it was, and I've got to remember the name. And Some of the like daffodils are popping up. So even though the first signs of spring are starting, the cold weather, the snow still reminds us it's still winter. Now there are different kinds of herbs that were part of this picking, and they were chickweed and actually some sprouts of like daikon. So these were used for to help ward off evil. So probably. So this was written when he was emperor. So this was before we had the mention of Setsubun, which was in your your previous message. It was like what nine thirty five or nine thirty four? Nine thirty five, yeah. Yeah, maybe predating Setsubun, going to pick the greens would help to ward off the evil, and also it's supposed to, you know, that long spring greens could help you like have a long life, which unfortunately、yeah. for Emperor Kuroko did not work in his favor. Now in the Manyoshu. Period. The women would have done the this plucking, but it's Emperor Koko was a man. So during the Heian era, the men also would pick these these spring greens. Okay, so it changed over time.、Hmm. So yeah, I think interestingly enough, the poem was not looking for a Setsubun poem. I seem to have found a poem that does kind of dovetail nicely with your topic, and also. A really good time of year、um, for <laughs> reminder that it is still winter. It's, spring is stirring, but winter is not letting us go yet. It's very true. I mean, like you said, like especially here, like today is the coldest it's been so far. Like we thought we、mm. got past the worst of it, but it's getting colder. But I'm hoping soon 
it starts to warm up again. Like we said, it, winter is drawing to a close, finally. It's been a very strange winter though here. It hasn't actually been that cold until now. But no, it's a very nice poem that you found. I like that, yeah, like you said, you found something that predates Setsubun, but was also used as a way of bringing in the new year. So that was very interesting. And again, a, a maybe not festival, Maybe festival is the wrong word for this, but like a ritual which has changed over time. So yeah, I thought it was really interesting. Thank you. You're welcome. Do you, did you have any other questions that I might not be? For today, for this poem, I don't think so, no. I mean, the few questions I had, you answered. So thank you. Yay. Excellent. You're very welcome. Okay. So yeah, I think that might be all of everything from us today. Yes. <laughs> Um, like we say every week. Thank you guys for tuning in. And thank you again to the few new listeners we have this week. We've grown yes, a little. We're very grateful for that. If you like Japanese history, check out History of historyofjapan.co.uk. You will find the show notes up on there for this episode, as well as obviously all the other articles we currently have on our database. We're up to about 730 articles now. Next week for you guys, episode 31, we're going to be delving in to a samurai. Uh, there are people who would say she wasn't a samurai as she was a woman, um, but she is basically the closest a woman I think ever came to becoming a samurai. Um, so we're going to go um, delve into her story next week. Um, so we hope you come back and tune in for that one. I am also hoping next week to get our third bonus episode up for you guys. It will link back to our good friend and the pilgrim from episode 22. Um, I found out a little more, another story relating to his life. So yeah, I hope you look forward to those. Um, Heather, do you have anything more to say before we sign off? No, I'm looking forward to next week too. And again, yeah, thank you so much everyone for listening. Please come back next week and we hope to talk to you then. Okay. Thank you again, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Matane. Matane. If you've enjoyed the Japan Archives, please consider checking out historyofjapan.co.uk, a database we are making on Japanese history. You can also find the show notes for all our episodes here. If you're on Instagram, you can follow my account over at nexus underscore travels. That's N-E-X-U-S underscore travels. We also have a Facebook and Twitter page, which you can find at Japan Archives. If you're interested in little slices of life in Japan, be sure to check out my website over at heatheroveryonder.com. Thank you for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you have any suggestions for future episodes, have anything you'd love to hear about, head on over to historyofjapan.co.uk and send us a message. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to give us a rating and review over on iTunes. Thank you again for listening, guys. Until next time. Bye. Matane.